0: your bibles to psalm 19 if you didn't bring a bible it's page 494 in the pew bible row again thank you so much for doing that I, i love these testimonies i love getting to hear people's stories everybody's is different everybody's story is different every life is different it's good to hear how we see god working in our lives we're back to the psalms now this is uh our fourth sermon in the psalm series we did psalm 1 psalm 2 psalm 16 last week and psalm 19 today psalm 19 is one of the very best i hope that you already know a little bit about it if you don't you're in for a treat what a good psalm psalm 19 is it's page 494 on the pew bible if you didn't bring a bible you can use that i want you to follow along it's not very long only 14 verses Psalm 19 is perhaps best known for how it says the heavens declare the glory of God. You've probably heard that before. That's verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And with the heavens declaring the glory of God, we mean that the sky, the stars, the, 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 the heavens, the sun, the moon, creation, are telling us something about God. They are declaring something. We're going to learn about that today in Psalm 19. And Just the other day, we were going down to the waterfront just to hang out. We took the kids and we were flying kites and running around and kicking a soccer ball and just playing down, down on the waterfront. But it was one of those days where the, the dark clouds came over and there was sun on this side and dark clouds on this side. And if you look this way, you thought it was like the most beautiful evening ever. And if you look this way, it looked like a big storm coming up. It was one of those days. And... If you stood over here, you got a little bit of raindrops on you. If you stood over here, it felt great with no rain. It was one of those days. And as we were there taking pictures and running around just playing with the kids, I looked over. Val was taking a picture of the kids, and I was taking pictures of Val. And while I was doing that, there's a big rainbow behind her. So there's like sun, a split, clouds, dark, and then there's a big rainbow in the middle of it. You know that if it's raining and the sun's out, we often get a rainbow. I remember thinking, wow, that is is a nice-looking sky. Nice setting. You've done that before, I'm sure. You've been outside and you just thought, wow, look at that sunset. Look at that sunrise. This time of year, you can really get some good ones. The Bible teaches us here in Psalm 19, that's God speaking. It's God speaking. He's not speaking audibly. We're not really hearing anything. We're seeing things. It's a visual message, not necessarily a vocal message. And Psalm 19 talks about that. And for as awesome as it is that Psalm 19 tells us that and goes into some explanation on that, some detail about that, God speaking to us through the sky, through His creation, I want you to know that the rest of the psalm goes on to say it's not enough. It's not enough. A knowledge of God or a belief in God because He has awesome paintings in the sky is not what it is to know God in a real and personal way. It's one of those situations where you know about God, but you don't know God. Psalm 19 is fantastic. Read with me if you will. Beginning in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and "...drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression." Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Psalm 19 is a good one, like I've said. I'm going to give you three breakdowns of this passage today. The first is general revelation. I hope revelation is not a big word. You've heard me talk about big words before. I'm not really good with them. I'll mess myself up if I try to use them. By revelation, we just mean a revealing. God has revealed something, okay? So general revelation. The second part is special revelation. Again, He's just revealing something, but it's something He's revealed in a special way. And then last is our response to revelation. Everybody understand when I say revelation, I just mean that God's revealed something? Okay. General revelation, special revelation, then response to revelation. This passage begins with God's general revelation. He says that God has revealed Himself. The heavens are declaring the glory of God. The sky above proclaims His handiwork. The sky is saying, look, God did this. God did this and God did this. Just the other night, we had just a couple of days ago, we had full moons. And one night it was like red. Some of y'all saw that. A red full moon the other night, about a week ago. It was awesome. One of my favorite things to do when we get out of the car at night is I'll ask Carolina, ¿Dónde está la luna? Which is, where's the moon in Spanish? And she'll say, I don't know. And I'll say, well, how about right there? And she'll say, oh, there it is. And I'll remind her that, you know whose moon that is? She'll say, yeah, it's Jesus' moon. The moon is there. God has put it there. Just like He's put the stars there, which the Bible tells us in Isaiah that God has named every one of the stars. They answer to Him. He calls them by name. Not a single star is missing, Isaiah says. Because God has put everything in creation in place to say, can you believe who made this? To look at a star and be an astrologer is crazy. To look at the stars and love the One who made the stars is awesome. And that's what the Bible is saying happens. The heavens declare that God is glorious. The sky is saying God made this. Verse 2 says that day to day pours out speech. Pours out speech. Yes, The sun is there every day. The sunset is there every day. We have clouds, we have big clouds. Sometimes we're impressed. You ever said to yourself, there's not a cloud in the sky? You've heard that phrase before, right? It's just one of those awesome days where the sky's North Carolina Tar Heel blue. That's the way God made it. And some days there's clouds everywhere and it's just a mess, right? But it's awesome too. You ever seen it where you said, man, the clouds are kind of low today. You ever seen it where you look at the clouds, you say hey, that looks like a bunny? See, the sky's different every day because every day God is pouring out His speech. You ever had anybody in your life that just won't stop talking to you about something? You ever had anybody talk your ear off? I wish I could tell you how much I knew about Disney and Sprout Channel right now and all these shows with Carolina. It's never stopping. We're going on a trip in our favorite rocket ship, going through the sky. Little Einsteins. I could sing them all for you, though. (laughs) Because that's what she watches every single morning. It's like, I can't get enough. And until I've turned it on, it's daddy can't watch it. No, daddy, 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 it's nonstop. She pours out her speech to me about those shows. The sky is doing that to us every single day about God. If you're a Christian, you know that. If you're not a Christian, perhaps you've never known that. It even says that night does it. It reveals knowledge to us. Every single day of our lives, the sky has been there, the day has been there, the night has been there. Verse 3, there is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. In other words, everybody has seen this. Everybody has. That's why I'm saying it's not necessarily an audible thing. It's just there for us to see, but with metaphor, they're telling us that it's God speaking, nature speaking to us. But nobody's missed it. Some people say, Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't hear you say that. Nobody has missed what the heavens are declaring. If you're here today and you've never committed yourself to Christ, you're not a believer yet, it's not because you've never heard anything about God. The Bible says that God has been speaking every day of your life and every night of your life through the sky. Verse 4, Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. This is true, right? If you've ever seen a sunset in Louisville, Kentucky, man, we've got some really pretty ones. This is getting towards the Midwest. We've got some nice sunsets here. But I would imagine if you went to Africa, they'd say they got some nice sunsets too. If you could go to New Zealand, can you imagine there? I bet they say they've got some nice ones. I remember one time I was in Africa. We were like 10 hours away from any city. There was no electricity anywhere. Nothing to light up the sky. And at night, you could look up and you could see millions of stars. See, a lot of times when you're in a city where there's lights and electricity everywhere, you can just see a few stars, right? Right? Sometimes you can go to a place and see millions of stars. There's nowhere where this voice has not been heard. Everybody in the world is hearing the heavens declare the glory of God. Then he says, In them he has set a tent for the sun. So now he's going to get specific about this creation the sun. There's a tent for the sun. In other words, there's a place where the sun goes and hides for the night. Where it goes to bed, it goes to sleep, it disappears. Which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy. All the the analogies that he's using. The sun wakes up each day, it goes like a strong man, it does what it needs to do, and then it's gone again, into its tent, put away. God does that every single day. It's rising, verse 6, is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. Nothing. We know that the sun is just a big ball of fire. And we have been taught by science that it's the perfect spot. If it got any closer, like even a foot, we'd burn up. If it got any further, like even a foot, we'd freeze. It's exactly where it needs to be. And nothing is hidden from that. It's just right. That's the way God's made it. And the more and more we understand about all that, the more and more we think, wow, whoever made that is super. Man, he's great. There's so much wisdom and intelligence behind all of this. When you think about the sun being a strong man rising and running its course and and then going away, we think if the sun is as strong as it is, imagine the one who made it. The one who tells it to come up and tells it to go down. This is general revelation. Revelation. Everybody in the world can see the sky and know that there's a God that made it. Everybody can see that the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. It's a general revelation. God has revealed himself generally to everybody in the world. That's why atheism is something small and rather something new. You go anywhere in the world, whether they've ever had a Bible or not, whether they've ever had religious people or not, they become religious. Everywhere in the world. Atheism is such a small movement. Such a small movement. People are religious because the sky is telling them something bigger than them is out there. But it's just general. It's not enough. In our sinfulness, we reject it. We don't get it. We know that there's a God, but we don't know that we need Him to forgive us of our sins. Or, we may do know that, but we don't want Him to forgive us of our sins. We want to be right in however we are. You ever thought about it that way? That we know there's a God, but we don't dare want Him to tell us all the ways we're wrong. We want that God that we know that there is, just make sure that we're right. That makes us a little bit bigger than God. Paul in Romans 1 picks up on this general revelation. I want to ask you to turn to Romans 1. If you're not not familiar with this passage, this is a good one for you to know. In Romans 1, general revelation. I'm, I'm telling you that everybody who has ever seen creation, seen the sky, knows that God is there, that God has made that. The heavens are declaring that. And they, may, they may choose to not think that or believe that. Romans chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse 18. Paul is picking up on people knowing this general revelation because they've seen it in creation, but they don't want the God of the creation. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Does everybody see that? That everybody in the world has a plain understanding to them of what God is like because of creation. It says... Because God has shown it to them. In a Bible, no. We're not talking about the Bible yet. We're talking about general revelation. It has been shown to them by God. God has shown it to them in creation. Verse 20, For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world In the things that have been made. In other words, everybody in the world has clearly perceived through creation that God made it. goes on to say, so they are without excuse. To know that you have a Maker and to not worship your Maker is sin and it's wrong. Let me say that again. To know that you have been made by God and not worship that God that made you is sin and it is wrong. To elevate yourself above your Maker is bad. It's scary. Verse 21. Here's what they do Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Listen to this, verse 25. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Anybody who wants to live with more allegiance and devotion toward creation instead of the Creator, is wrong. Very wrong. And in a troubling position. Anybody who understands the general revelation that the heavens declare the glory of God, that life's about God, that God made you, and rejects God, is wrong. They have exchanged the truth about God for a lie worshiping and serving rather the creature rather than the Creator. Verse 26, he keeps going. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. I'm going to stop there for a second. Folks, there are passions that you have that are not honoring to God. It is not a mark of a Christian or a child of God to say, Well, this is how I feel, so it must be okay. Wrong. I was doing a home install this week on Friday. and A lady asked me to hang up a sign in her little daughter's room that said, Always follow your heart. And I imagine that maybe you have that hanging in your house too. But I had a college student here working with me, Cedric. Cedric said, That is some horrible advice. I reminded Cedric that Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is more deceitful than anything else. I dare to say that everybody in this room has been tricked by their heart and their passions before. If you're not able to admit it, please hear from me. I am wrong sometimes about what I need and what I want whether it be something as shallow as shoes thinking I have to have them, or whether it be big things of me thinking I know I'm right and I'm not changing. Y'all, our heart cannot be trusted. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you walk with the Lord according to truth, you can trust the Holy Spirit's leading. And you might equate that to your heart sometimes. But our heart in and of itself cannot be trusted. We all at times have passions that are dishonoring to God. And when that happens, we ought to say, no, no, no! In premarital counseling, which we have here, for anybody that wants to get married, I always ask this question if to the, to the man or to the girl, to the woman. If some other lady... Walks by, flaunting it, showing off, trying to catch your eye, doing this or doing that. Wants to be with you, is trying to get you to be with her. If it looks appealing, if she seems appealing, if she's sweeter to you, nicer to you, better to you, anything. But you have a wife. How should you respond? The answer every time is, no, no, no. You ought to fall on your face and say, God, get rid of that. Passion. Get rid of that desire. Get rid of that lust. That feeling. No. That illustration is easy to understand. Please hear the word of God today that there are dishonorable passions. Do not say, "Well, if I have the passion, it must be okay." Do not say, "Well, that if if I if I feel this way, that it must be right." Do not say, "Well, I'm just going to follow my heart." You can follow your heart, but examine your heart to see if your heart's right. Weigh your heart by God and His truth. Let's go back to the Word. Verse 26, For this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Here in this passage, it tells us what those dishonorable passions are. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. Y'all, the Word of God teaches that there is a natural way for women to be. Verse 27, And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Y'all, the Bible tells us that there is a natural way for men to be. Men, keep going, committing shameless acts with men. The Word of God calls it wrong and dishonorable for men to commit shameless acts with men. Not me. God. And if I'm faithful to Him, I will as well. And receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. If you follow your dishonorable passions, you are in error according to the Word of God. The reason why they are following this is because they have rejected what God has revealed in creation about Himself. The general revelation is there. They know that there is a God and they have rejected that. Verse 28, keep reading. What does Paul say about this error? Verse 28, Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Folks, if we know anything about God and we reject it, we are in error. We are wrong. And it is not honoring to God. There is one reason. Turn back to Psalm 19 now. There is one reason why you are living and it is above every other reason. And and that is that you would honor God with your life. That you would glorify God. Failing to honor and, dis, and, and to glorify God, failing to do that and to dishonor him is error, and it's dangerous, and it's wrong. Psalm 19 introduces this to us with general revelation. The first six verses of Psalm 19 are the Bible telling us that God has revealed Himself generally to everyone, that He is there, that He is God, that He's Creator, that He has made all of this. The sky is pouring out speech day to day, night to night about Him. But that's the general revelation. It tells us that there is a God. It tells us that there is a God. As Romans 1 says, it is plain to them, clearly perceived by them, my people. Verse 7, the psalm changes drastically towards special revelation. The law of the Lord is perfect. Notice now that he's talking about the Word of God. The law of God. It is perfect. It is perfect from God. It is spoken out of God's mouth. God cannot sin. God has not sinned. God cannot do sin. He never has sinned. He is perfect. He is holy in every way. And whatever He speaks is perfect. His Word is perfect. Reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure. What He's going to do here is he's going to do twice in each verse just use different ways, synonyms of saying the Word of God. The law of the Lord here. The testimony of the Lord is sure. It is sure. It is certain. It is right. It is good. It can be counted on. It can be trusted. It can be built our lives upon. It can be heard here today and be challenging to something you've never heard or thought about before. Something you have questioned or doubted. And it is sure enough to help you sort through it. It is like that. It makes wise the simple. Wisdom is found in God's truth. Verse 8, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I now see what life's about. I now understand that life's about God. I used to think for so much that dishonorable passions must be okay. This is the way I feel. This is what I want. This is what I desire. It must be okay. Why would God make me this way and if, I, if I feel this way and it not be right? I used to not think rightly about this. But the Word of God enlightens the eyes. The commandment of the Lord is pure. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous All together. One, two, three, four, five, six different ways in three verses. He now turns to special revelation and says that God has revealed Himself in a way that is more helpful, more thorough, more clear, more accurate than just the general revelation. It is more complete. It is the special revelation. And the special revelation is the law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the precepts of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the rules of the Lord. It is the Word of God. God has spoken in a deeper, more fuller, more intimate way than through the sky. He has spoken through the Word. We can know what He is like. And if you have any desire for your soul to be revived, or for you to have wisdom, or for your heart to rejoice, or for you to be pure, or for your eyes to be enlightened, or for you to endure forever and not perish, and to be righteous altogether, then would you hear today that you must believe the Word of God? That the Word of God is given to us so that we would be good and that we would be safe and that we would be right. Not good in our own doing that we think that we're now the good against the bad, but good in the sense that the good God loves us and has made us His own. This is the special revelation. And once we come to realize that God has spoken to us, It says this, God's special revelation is more to be desired than gold. Even much fine gold. Really? For you to have a storehouse full of gold worth billions and not have the Word of God would be tragic. Nothing Is more important for you, your marriage, and your children than for you to believe the Word of God. Nothing. Nothing. We should want it more than we want wealth. It is sweeter than honey. Sweeter than the drippings of the honeycomb. And by it, look at verse 11. This is a good one to highlight. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them, there is great reward. People that know God know that His Word warns them from error and rewards them from being close to Him. It warns them from moving toward error. And it rewards them for being close to God. Only the Word of God does that. Only special revelation does that. One is not warned in the way that you're warned through the Word. One is not warned through looking at the sky. You might see a sunset and think, Wow, God did that. There's not enough message there for me to say, "Uh-oh, these dishonorable passions are troublesome. They're not right. There's not enough there for me to say, "I have been wrong." My sinful attitude yesterday was a problem. I was in such a bad mood yesterday. I had to put the kids to bed last night apologizing to all of them. Boys, we all forgive me. I sin right. This isn't how Dad wants to be. This isn't how Dad should be. This isn't how God wants Dad to be. Will y'all forgive me? With Jesus, there is forgiveness. I believe in Him. Will you guys forgive me? They say, yeah. Only the Word of God can make me see the error in my ways. And only the Word of God can warn me that that's a problem. And only the Word of God can show me that there's still reward when I come back to God by faith and repentance. Repentance. Special revelation, the Word of God teaches us that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God, that our heart is more deceitful than anything else, that there is nothing good in us. Only the Word of God will accuse us of being sinful people, yet in that message of accusation, tell us that God loves us more than that. God loves us above our sinfulness, and God will call us out of our sinfulness, and that God sent His Son to be our sinfulness. That God sent Jesus to die for us. To take the punishment that we deserve. To become our errors. To become our dishonorable passions. Jesus died on the cross for my lust. Jesus died on the cross for my arrogance. Jesus died on the cross for my hatred and my anger. He died for it. And the Word of God tells us that God demonstrates His love toward me and you for Christ dying for my sins. Why would I try to make light of sin? Or why would I try to say this sin's not that big of a deal? There is good news beyond that. There's a better message out there that I'm okay in my sins. How many times do we have to see somebody arguing to be okay in their sins only to see them miserable later in life? You know it's true. You know it's true. Just this week, when I was with Cedric... Cedric finds out that a good buddy of his committed suicide on Friday. Cedric hangs out with him a lot. We start looking it up and finding out. He calls Sidney immediately. They were shook up on Friday. Their good buddy committed suicide. We start looking it up and we start seeing him. We start asking ourselves like, man, why did anybody know? What am I telling? It's my helping. We've got to learn to admit that helping somebody stay in a life that doesn't know God doesn't help them. Doesn't. I didn't know that young man well, so I don't know whether he knew God or not. But we've got to be people who realize. That the Bible tells us that we are in error and in sin against God so that we can know something greater. God's great love. Greater is He who is in us than he who is in the world. Coming to know God through His love and His forgiveness is better than anything this world offers. Anybody who just wants to live through life coasting, thinking I'm okay, there's nothing wrong with my my passions and my errors, has not known what life is all about. They've not come to understand the general revelation. We only understand the general revelation of God in the sky through his special revelation, through what Christ has done according to the Word of God, redemption. You might say that 1 through 6 tells us there is a God, and yet 7 through 11 tells us who he is. Yes, there is a God, and the whole world knows it. They've got the general revelation. That's why atheism is so small. But they don't know who he is. We need the special revelation. Turn with me to Romans 10. I don't know if you've ever seen this passage. Very rarely do I see anybody connect Psalm 19 to Romans 10. And if you're a Bible reader and a Bible believer, you'll like this. Paul quotes Psalm 19 in Romans 10. Romans 10 is the great passage on evangelism and missions and the need to share the hope with people. That people need God. Surely you would agree with me today that it is foolish to think that people don't need God. And to allow somebody to stay how they are without God would be foolish. Not God as we define him, but God as he has said who he is through his special revelation. Romans chapter 10 is the great passage on Paul, the missions and evangelism. I'm going to start reading at verse 14. Sorry, verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without somebody preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord who has believed what he has heard from us. Verse 17, so faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Paul's urgent message here is that if people do not hear about the hope of Christ, how will they believe? How will they be saved? How will they go to heaven? How will they turn away from their sins, their dishonorable passions? How would they ever confess that they have lived in error if they don't hear about Jesus dying for them in love? How would they? We must go tell people this. That's what he's talking about. But now look at verse 18. But I ask... Have they not heard? Indeed they have. And look what he says. Psalm 19, verse 4. Their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. What Paul is saying here, see, a lot of times you want to say, well, if they've never heard, well, then how in the world could they not be saved? How could they be in their sins and how could they go to hell if they've never heard? Paul quotes Psalm 19 right here and says, Wait, they have heard. Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. The sunset is a sermon in and of itself that God made you. That you are not what life's all about. You're in this terrestrial ball, as we just sang. Life's not about you, it's about Him, it's about our Maker. And Paul quotes here that they have heard. They've heard that there's a God and they've rejected Him. So we need to go to them with the message that says, even though you've rejected Him, He's going to win you back through Christ. He'll forgive you. Special revelation tells us all of this. Moreover, by the Word of God, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. My dad's not a real big at communicating, probably like most dads. But every once in a while, he'd call and leave me some voicemails. I've told you all about them before. On my phone right now, I've got eight voicemails saved. And every once in a while, when you listen to your voicemail, it brings them up, and I have to save, save, save. It's kind of annoying. But I save them, eight of them, because I love them. Some of them are funny, some of them are heartfelt. you know what it is? My dad talking to me. Hey, Josh, just want to let you know, man, Taco Bell's got a good deal going on. All right, talk at you later. That's how they are. He doesn't say talk to you later. He says talk at you later. But you know what? I keep those. I've even changed phones and somehow they stayed on there. I keep those. Bible tells me that for me, for anybody else, for my wife, and for my children, and for you all, keeping the Word of God is great reward. By it, we are warned. There's a lot of warning that needs to happen to somebody like me, a lot of warning that needs to happen to three rambunctious little boys in a house, but I'm thankful I know where the warnings are. God's revelation. We need to keep it. The last part of this psalm is three verses. We've got the general revelation and we've got the special revelation and then it ends with the response. I want to ask you wholeheartedly, do you believe it? Do you believe the Word of God to be the revealed truth from God in which we are to understand God in His creation. Verse 12 says, Who can discern His errors? What a thought. He asks here, How am I supposed to know which errors are mine? We can't. General revelation doesn't tell us enough. That's why we have people all over the place living in error, saying they're right, convinced that they're right, arguing they're right, fighting that they're right. Who can really tell their errors? We can't. We need God to tell us where we're wrong. It is arrogance to go to God and say, God, don't tell me where I'm wrong. And it is a mark of faith to go to God and say, God, show me where I'm wrong. Declare to me my errors. What a difference. Declare me innocent from hidden faults. The psalmist confesses, you know what? There are probably things in my life that I don't even see that bother you all. Have you ever thought about your life that much? Or are you often so trying to defend yourself and prove yourself to be right and worthy that you never get there? Have you ever thought about how I might be offending you all and I don't even realize it? Psalmist knows that he's probably that way. Declare me innocent, God, even from my hidden faults. He goes on, keep back your servant from presumptuous sins, things that he just assumes or takes for granted, things that he hasn't even thought about. Folks, can we admit today, especially in the world of politics, that we do a whole lot of sinning and we think that we're right in arguing for it? There's a lot of people checking out your social media that are so hurt by it and you didn't even realize it. There's a lot of people who've never walked in your shoes and so they don't understand it. And so they're hurt by it. There's a lot of people you've never walked in their shoes and so they're hurt by it. When you talk to somebody on the phone who's from India that has flawless English, they just have an accent. And you say to them, "Uh, could you get me somebody on here that that I can understand? That's not their fault. They're outsourced to India. You know that. They're not sitting here in America. Now, sometimes we've got sins in our lives that we haven't even thought about. And sometimes we're so quick to just think, that ain't me, that ain't my fault. psalmist here is so concerned about the Creator getting worship through his life. God, are there hidden sins in me? Please show them to me. God, would You keep back my presumptuous sins? We're often trying to assert ourselves as well, I know I'm upstanding and doing the right thing. The psalmist here is no. Not, not King David. He says, let them not have dominion over me. Let this not be what I'm known for. Let me not be an uppity, arrogant, church goer, please don't let that be my reputation. That's not the reputation of God's people. There's a lady that works here at Circle K right here. She doesn't have a car. She's been working there as long as I've worked here. I'm sure you know her. I know some of you do. I've invited her to church many times. I've given her a ride home, all kinds of stuff. I was in there last Sunday. We were out of Pop-Tarts and so I had to go pick up a pack of Pop-Tarts. She said, I thought about coming, but... I thought about coming to your church. I didn't bring up anything. She said, I thought about coming to your church, but the lady there told me I better not come if I don't have a dress. I never felt so frustrated as that comment. I said, surely not. She said, yeah. I said, that wasn't our church. must have been another church. She said, I'm pretty sure, right there. (laughs) I said, yeah. I said, no, I don't think so. I said, I don't even know if we have ladies that wear dresses to our church. <laughs> she said, no, nah, I was. I said, I've been teaching for a long time that it's not about what you wear. The Bible doesn't say anything about what you wear to church. I'm pretty sure it wasn't somebody from our church. She said, yeah, it was. If that was you, would you please come talk to me? If you think the message of this great God who is challenging us to discern our errors, is trying to get that lady that walks to work day after day, year after year, to wear a dress to church, you misunderstand the Holy Word of God. And your errors are not discerned. You're sitting in your errors thinking it's okay for you to be like that. Please don't. Soccer team was here this week on Wednesday and they asked me if they could have some church shirts. I said, absolutely. I said, but if you get arrested tonight and you're on TV, just take it off. (laughs) I want you to wear it. You wear it proudly. I'm glad for you too, but don't. If you're going to go do some shady stuff tonight, don't represent me that way. I'm going to be honest right now, y'all. I'd rather a kid that doesn't know Jesus wear a shirt on TV going into jail than for you to say, I'm your pastor and you're a believer in God. And that that lady's got to wear a dress in order to come here. I'm embarrassed. I hope she was talking about another church right around here. That's not us. That's not God. And we've got error if that's what we're saying. David is the king of Israel. He is crying out because he is understanding God so clearly through the revelation of God in creation, through a better revelation of God, through the special revelation of the Word. And he is saying, do I have hidden errors? I can't even see them. God, hide me, declare me innocent from my hidden ones. Keep back my presumptuous ones. Don't let them have dominion over me. And if you, God... Listen to what he says at the end of verse 13. If you, God should deal with me and my sins and reveal my errors to me and then forgive me of them, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. David here, King David, realizes that in his life there is great transgression. And so should the church of God. We have great transgressions in our life against God, ways that we are wrong, errors, dishonorable passions, things that are not pleasing to God, sin, but with God there is grace and mercy and love And He will forgive us of our sins if we come to Him in repentance saying, God, save me from my sins. This is what David is doing. It ends with verse 14. The true heart of a child of God that has understood God as His Creator, that has understood the Word of God as the message that God has given to His people to warn them and to keep them. Here's the heart. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in Your sight, O Lord, my rock and my Redeemer. Oh, that we would be people, no matter where we are, checking out at Circle K or sitting in here at worship or on the phone with a phone call, that it would be our great desire that God would be honored. Not only with the words of our mouth, but also with the meditation that's inside of our heart. The way I'm feeling about this situation, the way I'm desiring this situation, that it would be acceptable to God. Because God, You are my Lord. God, You are my rock. And God, You are my Redeemer. Apart from Jesus Christ dying on the cross, there is no redemption of sins. Let's pray together. Oh Father, we pray Today, that Your Word would be a powerful sword to us. Dealing with our hearts and dealing with our errors and giving us understanding. Oh God, help us to respond now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I pray that today You would respond to the revealing of God. Not only what You know about Him as Your Maker, but also in everything that He has said to You in the Word. That we would be a humble people before Him. I also pray that if you're here today and you've never decided to follow Christ, that you would do that. That you would make a commitment today publicly that you want to be a Christian. You want everybody in the room that's here, even first-time guests, you want them to see that you want to follow Jesus. You want your prayer to be verse 14. I'll help you do that. As we sing, let's respond.
1: my hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness i dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on jesus name on christ the solid rock i stand all of the ground is sinking sand, all of the ground is sinking sand. when darkness veils his lovely face i rest on his unchanging grace in every high and stormy gale my anchor holds within the veil On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, all other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant; let His blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, He then is on my open stay. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand all of the ground is sinking sand when he shall come with trumpet sound oh may i then in him be found dressed in his righteousness alone for He he stand before the throne on Christ the solid rock i stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand.
0: Amen. Thank you all so much for being here.